Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Huntworth. Huntworth bringing you quality hunting clothing and packs at a price you deserve. Check them out at huntworthgear.com. Uh, right at the end of that sale, they launched that new grayling hoodie, which is essentially a Shelton hoodie on steroids with the heat boost uh, fibers woven in. Um, that is going to be the next item that I purchase from them. Um, that's, that's one that's definitely going to be part of my repertoire this, uh, upcoming season. I love the Shelton hoodie. Um, but the heat boost is incredible stuff. Um, and I truly believe in it. And for the warmth, um, I think that's going to be the staple, uh, basically all year round. Um, even just to run that with, uh, one of the Elkins vests or something like that over top of it um, until it gets really cold. Um, the Elkins vest is what we're giving away. That, the heat boost, 
base layers as well as those aims gloves that are built specifically for bow hunters um, so hopefully you guys got to take advantage of that sale and uh, picked up some of that stuff but uh, for our third quarter giveaway which is like literally less than a month away um, we're going to be giving away that stuff uh, along with you know spartan forge spartan forge their update is like in the pipeline for Apple right now. And uh, anytime it should drop with that Blue Force tracker, uh, as well as the LiDAR imaging. And you can always go to SpartanForge.ai and save 25% of their already great price with code Bowhunter. Um, Latitude, another one of our sponsors, um, they give away a package. I'm not sure if it's going to be sticks or one of their saddle packages this time. Uh, I just got to get with those guys. Uh, crazy because they're starting to go um, on their hunts and everything like that so my contacts are with <laughs> the guys that are filming the guys that are hunting so um, I'll have to get with uh, the people in supply there uh, but you can use code BHC over there and uh, save yourself a little money as well uh, big shot targets we give away one of their targets every quarter and you can save 10% at big shot targets using code BCP um, and that's 10% over there. And that double duty buck or doe, if you don't put the antlers on it, is modeled after 110 pound deer. So for me with traditional equipment, trying to learn, get that sight picture, um, that's invaluable. And those targets are easy to pull as well. Uh, Zinger, shout out to those guys. If you looked, uh, Steve just shot a nice velvet buck down in Tennessee got it done down there and they did just send me another package of yes you guys have heard about them uh never seen them but they've come out with another version of the gen 3 for me to test um and they call them the silent but deadly um so i got to do some testing on those and i'll report back they give away zingers as well as the kanadi arrows um, we had them on talking at the mobile hunters expo about the kanadi arrows um super jacked about uh killing some deer with those and then Lucky Buck, those guys, you know, the proof's in the pudding down there. Uh, Missouri, uh, Ohio, the pictures that we're getting from those cameras. Um, and then up there in the UP, um, everything is just rolling up there. So really excited about uh, at that. And if you can't use Lucky Buck, um, they'll give away some a package of their, their seed as well. So, And I got a shout out to the Redline guys that hooked us up for our Patreon hunt. I've got a ton of stuff to give away up there. Uh, some sights, some quivers, some bow cases, uh, stuff like that to, to be given away up there. And then we just got a bunch of Helix broadheads in, going to be shooting those this year. Um, very excited to do so. Those new FX4s, uh, really looking forward to that. Um, this episode here, if you remember back, we did the live podcast with uh, Kevin and the Deer Hunter podcast up in uh, Gaylord up there. Um the Michigan Gone Wild guys, one of them, Jake Ormsby, um, he was talking about hunting the hills and hunting clear cuts. And I was like, man, I have to get you on the podcast to talk about that. Uh, very self-serving. I don't know anything about clear cuts. Terrible at hunting them. And uh, there's a bunch of them around. So I wanted to wanted to pick his brain on that as well as uh, some of that hill country stuff. So this podcast, I think, for you guys is going to be great. If you want to get in on any of those giveaways... That's uh, through Patreon. Uh, Patreon is crowdfunding for creators. It helps us to continue to do this stuff. It helps us to um, 
you know, put on things like the, the hunt that we've got coming up. Um, we're doing the Bowhunter Chronicles West spring bear hunt next year. Um, all of that stuff, it helps to subsidize uh, any of that stuff. And it's like 17 cents a day. So, I mean, we're, we're literally, uh, you know, wasting that much money. Uh, but we can really use it here at the podcast to help uh, with everything that we do here. So if you like what we're doing, you can check that out at uh, Patreon dot com forward slash bowhunter chronicles podcast you can go to our website um instagram's got a link uh any of that stuff if that's not for you you're like ah just get to the information um no problem if we've helped you in any way just tell somebody else about the podcast um getting our information out there uh is super helpful and we really do appreciate the support and i almost forgot we did get one new Patreon, uh, big shout out to James Anderson. Uh, thank you so much. We're going to get that swag pack with the stickers and uh, all that stuff sent out here uh, early next week after the holiday. Um, thank you so much for the support. We can't thank you enough. As always, enjoy the episode. All right, everybody, Adam and John back with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. So weird to say that because we were just spent the last 10 minutes talking about how John's only been working on his house and doesn't even plan to hunt this year it's not even even a even a michigan tag's not in the budget so it was the price of two by fours went up again and things are things are rough over at the boars my household yeah. but, <laughs> everything sucks <laughs> i'll build a house it'll be fun no <laughs> but uh so we're going to talk today with uh jake ormsby if you remember from the live podcast we did up north with uh the deer hunter podcast um Jake is one of the Michigan Gone Wild crew, and uh, it turns out he basically, if he's not working, he lives in the woods. And uh, he he talked a little bit about that on the on the podcast, and you know they they kind of alluded to the fact that he's you know running bear baits, he's elk hunting, and uh, then he kind of got into the clear cut thing. And uh, I I talked to him up there, and I'm like, we need to discuss this a little bit more like how you how you go about that um as things are ramping up for you jake how, how's it how's it going looking uh into the season ahead here oh i haven't done a whole lot with the deer yet you know i'm busy with bear and bear and elk right now but you know i'm always checking things out you know and and keeping my eye open um but bear and elk season looks good um and you know when you're hunting for elk, you're always in cuttings. Um, the elk use the cuttings just like the deer do, you know, and when you're scouting for elk, you're basically scouting for deer too, you know, but. So let's talk about a little bit about the bear and the elk hunting. So are you a guide or do you like just help guys out? Like what's, what's yeah. the story there? Yeah. So I take clients, um, and do hound hunts for bear and, uh, Usually I only take a handful, you know, a couple, two, three clients a year. And then uh, I always got buddies and family members and stuff with tags, you know, to help fill too. So, so we're busy. The the bear hunting in, in Michigan. So um, I've been trying to draw a tag for uh, putting in points, whatever. I, I forgot this year. I, I, I had a really bad year with tags <laughs> this year. I forgot to uh, apply for my bear tag. I couldn't figure out how to... Uh, apply for just a point in Kansas. So I 
just applied in Kansas and I got it, but nobody else applied because everybody else just bought points. So I'm going I, alone. I'm, I'm going on my own to Kansas. <laughs> um, but but the Michigan bear hunting, like it, it's a little bit different than other states. I think in Wisconsin they flip flop, like when the dog hunters go and then the uh, yep. the non dog hunters go. So how do how does the seasons shape up here in Michigan? So basically, they actually changed it again this year. Um, in the past, it's always been uh, the the bait sitters can start on that Sunday, usually the second Sunday in September. Um, and then the hound hunters start Monday and you guys hunt together, you know, basically intertwine. And then the hound hunters get the last two days. Well, now from what I understand, the bait hunters get the first two days. And then the hound hunters get the last four days. Um, so we get an extra two days to hunt, um, but they get the first two days to hunt. Okay. Interesting. And, and like you said, Wisconsin's week, you know, one year the bait hunters get a week and then one year um, the hound hunters get the first week. And so Michigan has three different seasons, right? So how does that shape up? So like our unit in Red Oak, is just one hunt. Okay. It's, uh, what is it? I think it's bait and hounds combined. I think it's like 11 days okay. total. Um, but then you go to the UP units and I, I think anywhere below, um, the bridge is just one season, you know, okay. it's a one week hunt basically. Then you get up above the bridge, you get a first, second, and third hunt. Um, the first hunt's bait only. Um, obviously that takes, a lot of them are nine, 10, 11 points to draw the first hunt. And then the second hunt is bait and hounds both. Um, and then the third hunt you can get usually with zero, one, two points, you know, um, same thing. You can do either or then too. And how did you get into that? Oh, my whole family has been doing it since, since I can remember um, running hounds. And same with elk guiding too. My dad was guiding elk hunters as long as I can remember, you know, ever since I was a kid and he still does it just not as much. And, um, when I was 16, I started doing it and it's just a lot of fun. What's that process like for, cause it sounds like every, everything that I've heard and maybe you're the same, but it sounds like it's a lot of private. Right. I mean, so just to clarify, it's all the Northern Michigan, like Alpena area, right? So you guys know where Gaylord's at. Yep. Um, so basically Gaylord north to say Indian river over towards like Hillman. Okay. You can kind of draw a triangle in your head there. That's kind of your, your elk range, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's first, the fall hunt is, uh, it's a 12 day hunt total broke down into three, four day hunts. Um, and that's basically, there's there's no separate special units or anything like that. It's all a unit X, which is everything outside of the the core elk range. So they want to shoot all the elk outside of the core area. And then the December hunt, they open up the core area, break it into two sections, and you get to hunt either one of the two sections. Okay. And isn't that like a ridiculous draw like i i I feel like i put in for it and you buy the like pure michigan hunt but it's like 20 years or a lifetime or whatever and that's if you draw a bull or whatever yeah yeah um your chances are a lot better if you apply either or you know if you want to shoot a cow but 
I, I apply bull only and I don't ever expect to get one, but, um, I think I only know one person personally, like a friend of mine that's drawn a bull tag. And that was when he was 16. It, what is that hunt like? I mean, so we've been out elk hunting in a couple of different States and, um, at least I've done it a couple of different ways. Like I ended up shooting one with a rifle, um, but hunted a, a couple of different, I hunted from a vehicle, like, uh, hunted from, a like a camp, like set up camp. And then we did backpack hunting in. And then when I killed one, it was a, a spike camp. Like what is Michigan's deer uh, elk hunting like for, for, cause I mean, you, you see the stuff like born and raised and all that stuff. And I mean, I, I really don't think you're going there. Is there the ability, I guess, to, to cover that much ground on any sort of public land or like, what does it look not, like? Not really. I mean, there is places. I mean, if, if that's what you want to do is just get out of your truck in the morning and hunt until dark. I mean, you can do that. Um, but chances are you're going to cross a road before you, you know, you're going to cross a road. You could drive with a truck before you, you know, you're not going to get that far away from your truck without crossing another road. Um, and there's different, different guides hunt different ways. You know, there's uh, a lot of ag country um, and we don't hunt a ton of ag. Um, once in a while we'll end up on, so we, you know, we've got plenty of permission to hunt private land, you know, and, um, big cornfields and soybean fields and stuff. But, and that's basically, you know, you're locating elk from your truck, parking, getting out and stocking elk and in a farm field. Um, it's not a super tough hunt, you know? Uh, and I mean, I say that, but it takes a lot to keep an eye on them, you know, and, and figure out what they're going from here to here to here, you know, all overnight, you know? And so you got to kind of keep tabs on them, but, um, there's also, you know, a lot of state land. I would say we kill probably 80% of our elk on state land. Um, and, and a lot of our bigger bulls are killed on state land. Um, and, and this fall hunt, you know, it's kind of like you would do it out West. You know, you get out of the truck a few different spots in the morning, um, trying to get a bull to bugle and you get one to light up and you grab your backpack and go, you know, but you're, it's just kind of on a smaller scale, I guess, you know, you're not, you're not going to end up four or five, six miles away from your truck chasing elk around, <laughs> you know, you're going to get halfway through a section, realize they're moving away from you, go back to your truck and drive around the other side and start over again, you know? <laughs> so it was like turkey hunting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, it really is, you know, it's, it's really similar to turkey hunting, basically okay. just a lot bigger animal. So as you're out there, like, uh, doing all the scouting and stuff like that, like, uh, my cousin Ben, he does, um, the Michigan whitetail pursuit. He does a lot of the stuff for those guys. Okay. And, uh, he's, he's killed a bunch of bears in a few different States. And, and when I was talking to him about bear hunting, he said, you know, bears kind of like the same stuff as whitetails, like big whitetails. They want to be, you know, in the nasty stuff and they want to be secluded, yep. um, and so then you said you're you're hunting these clear cuts for elk, and you know that's where the deer want to use it kind of the same way. So, um, uh, how are you using your information for the bear scouting and the in the elk scouting, like in the deer woods? I mean, 
it, it's all they all kind of hang out in the same areas you know they kind of all use them the same way i wouldn't say bears as much but even cuttings for bears you know usually um i don't know about your guys's cuttings and they kind of vary here depending on where you're at but um a lot of them will grow back thicker than hell with raspberry bushes and blackberry bushes so i mean that's a bear's bedroom in in the fall or the summer late summer you know our blackberries right now are just exploding and uh, i would say the majority of their bears are in the berry bushes which most of our berry bushes come from clear cuts okay so talking about clear cuts how do you like view them so like if when you're driving around doing scouting um and you see a new area that gets cut or you're let's say you're going into a new area and you see a clear cut like how are you scouting it because i think for myself and i've i've tried i've i i don't know if i just don't have like the understanding of how the deer use them or whatever but like i maybe under the assumption that like i go in there and everything's you know what three four foot tall but they usually leave like big oak trees and stuff like that or big big Mm -hmm. pines like big round pines for some reason so i automatically look at that as like a like a cattail marsh i'm like well they must be bedding up here they'd be they'd want something to their back but it's like impossible to hunt i feel like with a bow unless you're gonna hunt on the ground so i get in there and i i guess i don't ever find really the sign that i'm looking for so i just kind of move past them and then you know, two years later, they're 10 feet tall and they're thicker than shit. Like you're talking about. And then it's like, well, really now what do I do? So like, yeah. how do you view like these different, um, ages of clear cuts and like, how do you break so, them down? The first couple of years, you know, out, uh, like a brand new cutting, say for an example, they're cutting right now in August come deer season. There's not going to be a lot there, you know, not much has had a chance to regenerate between now and August. You know, if there's grasses growing in it and stuff like that, then there's a chance they'll use it for feeding. Um, but say a clear cut that they cut last December, in the middle of the winter, they cut it. That's going to be prime for this deer season. Um, and basically, you're looking at that cutting as uh, a natural food plot, basically. You know, it's basically a, a egg field, you know. Um until it gets to a certain age, you know, to where they can actually bed in it. So the newer clear cuts, you know, I would say. Have you ever been overwhelmed by the hundreds of food plot seed mixes out there? Well, you are not alone. And Vitalized Seed has developed a seed program that takes the guesswork out of food plotting. Vitalized Seed has two core mixes, the Nitro Boost and Carbon Load, to keep it simple. Nitro Boost is their spring-summer food plot mix, and Carbon Load is the fall plot mix each having a diverse mix of over a dozen different seed types that are highly attractive to whitetail. Food plotting made simple, but it gets even better. Each mix provides necessary nutrients to the soil, making for better plots each season and saving you money by needing less Roundup and less fertilizer each season. The 1-2 system simplifies your food plots just how nature intended. Vitalize seed. Make biology work for you. Order now at vitalizedseed.com. I don't really feel that they start to bed in them a lot until they're like 10, 12 years old. You know, I would say uh, your popple, a lot of them, a lot of them around here uh, regenerate with popple. 
Um, and when that popple seems to get like four to six inches is when they seem to really start to use it as a, a bedding. Um, so there's kind of a dead space in there. You know, once you can't hunt that as a food source anymore, it takes a few years before they're going to start bedding in it, you know? Um, so if, if I'm looking to hunt over a clear cut and hunt it as a food source, then it's going to be like one to two years old. Um, and, and that can vary too, because with us having elk around here, certain cuttings, they will like annihilate them to where they don't regenerate that fast. So everything will stay short and browsed off and you might get three or four years out of that cutting before it grows up too high to where you can't hunt it as a food source. Um, and I, I, I never hunt in a clear cut. I always hunt the edges of them. Um, even, even if I think they're bedding in it, you know, I'm not going to try to get 60 yards from where I think they're bedding in a clear cut. You know, I'm going to stay back off the edge and kind of try to anticipate where they're going to come out of that clear cut. And so when you're, you're looking at that, how are you looking at terrain features around the clear cut? Cause you know, I feel like it doesn't really matter where you're at with a clear cut there. The machinery can only do so much. So there's going to mm-hmm. be like terrain features around there where they either had to stop or they decided, you know, we don't want to get our machines stuck. So like, yep. how are you, is, are there any like certain train features or anything like that, that you're like, okay, well, when I see this, that's where I'm definitely keying in on or whatever. So when you see the, the cuttings, um, a lot of times, some of my favorite ones, you know, they'll butt up to a, a big, nasty, thick swamp. And like you just said, they can't cut into that swamp. And then they'll, they'll cut a strip, you know, between that and, um, oaks, you know, so you have acorns on one side and a swamp on the other side. And then a lot of times, you know, they get to the the points of the swamp where, where the swamp will come out and make a point and they'll leave that point there, you know, and that's guaranteed that deer are going to come out on that point. So it's like a natural terrain, like you just basically like what we do normally, you're looking for that transition. But now it's an even more defined spot. I mean, with the- right? Yeah, and I, yeah, and those are you know the big square cuttings. Those are hard to hunt. You know, if you can find the ones that are kind of curvy and you know that have those terrain features that you can kind of pick apart. Um, those are those seem to be a little more productive than just a big hundred acres square clear cut. You know, right? It's a that's what I'm like picturing my head like. Well, there's there's clear cuts that are just like what you're saying, just mm-hmm. it's a clear cut, like, yeah, okay, we're gonna clear this section. And then there's the ones that are around the swamps and stuff that we used to hunt, you know, up near my property. And yeah, then it's like they can only cut. They have to go with the train. You know, you got you still have the ridges and stuff and then getting mm-hmm. out in the swamp. Those are ones that always produce I mean they they're still doing it like where my me and my brother have killed a bunch of bucks, but yeah, yeah, those are my you know if I can find a clear cut with with cedar swamp, you know, nasty thick swamp on one side and oaks on the other side, and that clear cut separates between the two of them. I mean, 
That's a look for those points and those, you know, um, just any type of transition, you know, for those deer to, to cross. I, I don't know if you guys seen the, the, uh, frozen trigger buck, the one that my freezer trigger froze up on, <laughs> um, that's what that was, you know, where that buck came out of that morning. Um, he came up out of the swamp and he was just scent tracking, you know, that, that Oak Ridge basically. Right. Um, cause, cause the does will bed, you know, up on the high ground, um, right in the Oaks. And, uh, he was laying down in the swamp and he would just come up, work that edge of that cutting, you know, right down the edge of the swamp scent checking. And, um, that's, that's what that was, you know, just a narrow cutting that kind of curved around. And, um, that's kind of, I was set up right on a point where that swamp comes out, you know, that swamp come out to a point right there in front of me and he came right off from it. So, uh, aside from like e-scouting and saying, okay, you're, you're looking on the map and you say, well, this clear cut is just a square clear cut. They took out a whole bunch of school pines or whatever. There's yeah. nothing there. And then you're looking and you say, okay, this one's got some of the things that I'm looking for. Right. So nasty swamp, maybe Creek or something behind it. Got mm-hmm. some points, got an irregular shape. How are you scouting that? Like, so when you go there, like, what are you looking for? And I mean, other than like, okay, there's a point there. I'm going to sit there because you know, that's where they're going to come out. W- what's making you say, okay, I think there's a good buck in this area or that this is where I think the does are like, what is it that you're, how are you breaking down that area? So you get on those points and you know, if there's a buck using that as a, as a travel corridor to come out onto that point, he's going to leave sign there. You know, there's going to be a buck rub to one, two or three of them, you know, right on that point. And, um, and then actually across the cutting too, you know, once you get those one, two inch popple whips, you can kind of follow their, their route of travel through them cuttings by their rub lines, you know, just on those small popples. Um, and, and I always, you know, you almost have to give them a little bit of your, like if you try to hunt a cutting, like for instance, um, where I was sitting there where that deer was bedded in the swamp if he'd have came out anywhere but on that point, you know, if he'd have came out down further, he could have winded me, you know? So he was only, I'd say probably a hundred yards off from being downwind to me. So when he came out of that and worked down the edge of that cutting, he had the wind in his favor, you know, it's, and, and that, that's the only time he would come out. You know, I had him on camera other days and uh, a Southwest wind, he had come out and worked that edge with the wind in his nose. And that would be, you know, the wind blowing off from the Oak Ridge down into his nose. And so how important in that sort of situation, I mean, it sounds like you knew what he was doing on the particular wind. So you kind of had an idea of like what you were going to be able to do, but with these big clear cuts, and I'm thinking like specifically maybe for more for bow hunting, right? So you're, mm-hmm. you're going to have to get quite a bit closer in, in with the, with the clear cut. And so I'll reference something that the guy we were hunting with in Idaho said, he said, there's nothing to be gained from walking across an open area out, you know, like when you're hunting elk or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so access on these. So if you have to get to this point on that wind and you know, the deer's down there, but maybe the way that you would normally access is like through the middle of this clear cut or somewhat of an open area. Like, how are you accessing these things to get close on a big, you know, kind of wide open. And, and like I say, the, the one I was just in the other day was like all that like scrub oak that's like three, four foot tall. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so how, like, okay, I can hunt that tree, but how do I get there? Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors, every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. You know, nice. Yeah. Like I said, I don't, I don't walk into the cuttings. If I, if I have to cross the cutting, I, I won't hunt it. You know, if I can't kill the deer from the edge that I'm walking into, you know, and somehow snake my way down that edge to get set up, then I think you're wasting your time more, more chances than not, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I said, I'm just trying to like picture it in my head. Like, yeah, you, you know, maybe parking or whatever is over here. And I was actually thinking of that. I, th- I think it was that same, like, frozen trigger buck, like, where you were, like, walking, like, way in through these pines and stuff. And there's some thick stuff. And you're like, well, I need to go up here. And I was, like, in my head thinking, like, I don't know. It, it, I'm trying to, like, put myself, not necessarily in your shoes, but, like, where I hunt and try and equate. That's what I do when I have somebody on a podcast or whatever. And then I go out and I hunt and I'm like, well, what would Jake do? Or what would Dan do? Or, you know, mm-hmm. what would whoever do? And and so I'm like watching you. I'm like trying to go through your thought process as you're like walking down these old logging roads and see how it like equates to like where I hunt. Yeah. And so that's, it's interesting, like trying to, trying to break that down because your access seemed really calculated, but it was like, you weren't exactly like you did, it was almost like you weren't like right where you wanted to be. Like you were trying to figure out where to go. <laughs> right. So, yeah. And and that's, you know, like anytime I walk into a stand, I'll, I'll never ever have the wind at my back. You know, like if I can't come into it with the wind in my favor, you know, I've got a general idea of where that deer is bedded um, and how he's using it. You know, if, if I, if I can't walk into the wind, to get to where I'm hunting, you know, I'm, I'm not going to even attempt it. That was one thing I was going to ask you too, because of it, your, you know, the, the Michigan gone wild stuff is very, um, like centered, like around the deer camp and mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the, the rifle hunting. So are you guys doing a lot of bow hunting also? I mean, yeah, I see the bows bow behind you. a lot. <laughs> um, we, I don't hunt clear cuts as much with a bow, um, kind of for the reasons we're talking about, you know, it, a lot of times it's tough to get where you want to be and not get busted, you know, before you get there. Um, a lot of my bow hunting's done up in the hills. Um, and it, you, you can hunt clear cuts with a bow, you know, and I've done it in the past. Um, 
but I hunt them more as kind of a food source, you know, and kind of try to guess where the deer are going to come out to feed in that cutting um, and try to set up on those deer coming out to that cutting. And a lot of times they'll come out and they'll work the edge of that cutting um, rather than being out in the middle of it. You know, you got a wide open clear cut that's a foot high of brows, you know, thick brows, and those deer are just going to work down the edge of it, you know. So I guess I think that's good information there from a, a standpoint of like I talk, you know, like we are talking about for our Patreon hunt and stuff. Like a guy, a lot of guys like all around the country, and it seems like more like out east. Like guys would be like, "Oh, I want to hunt this cutover." Like you know, there's all the sign and like this, it's on this area. Um, but it almost sounds like what you're saying is like it's a kind of like a cautionary tale, right? Like it might, yeah, the juice might not be worth the squeeze. So when you encounter a situation like that where you're like okay i've got a good buck i know he's using this this clear cut um you just got to put him on the back burner and if you haven't filled your tags by gun season then that's where you're gonna go yeah and and we really we don't we don't try to fill our buck tags before gun season you know because we deer camps deer camp we have a good time you know um (laughs) And and if I kill one buck with a bow, then I hang the bow up and I wait till gun season. Okay. Um, but yeah, basically, you know, if, if I know that, like, I knew that deer was there last year um, at the end of October, and I never took my bow in there to hunt him. We were actually in Ohio, and uh, I was getting pictures on a cell camera of him. And uh, I was like, man, I should probably be hunting that deer with my bow in Michigan right now. But um yeah, never did hunt him with a bow until until I think it was opening morning at gun season. I finally went in there and hunted. And it wasn't until the third morning, I think, is when I seen him. So, from like the cell camps and all of that stuff, you're using that to like verify that this is how these deer are using the the area. D- did you already know? like where that deer was bedded? I mean, are you focusing on like specific beds or you're just saying I'm using these train features just to verify like what I think. And then the camera's telling you this is what's happening. Yep. That's pretty much exactly what I did. And there's, I don't know if it's on any of our content or not, but there was a video of me going in there and scouting that. Um, and actually, you know, I, I found that cutting in elk season. There was a couple bulls using that cutting. And, um, I went back in there in the fall and it was late. It was like the third week of October, last week, of October, something like that. Um, just before November. So I had an idea, you know, of how it was set up and had an idea that a buck might lay back on that swamp that that swamp's not real big. It's kind of, um, it kind of just dead ends, you know, it goes maybe half a mile the other side of the cutting. Um, and then it just kind of dead ends and there's a little bit of a high knob right in the middle of it. And you could see that from the map, you know, you could see there's a high knob back there. Um, so I had a good idea, you know, that there could be a buck using that to bet on. And, um, I just set the camera up, you know, figuring he would work that edge of the cutting. And sure enough, he showed up within a couple of days of setting the camera up. And when I walked in there, you know, um, there wasn't a ton of sign, you know, as far as 
mature buck sign you know you wouldn't uh you wouldn't have, like i wasn't super excited about it you know i seen just enough to tell me that there was a buck there you know but i didn't know whether it was a two-year-old eight point or what it was you know um but I, a lot of times you know you're just looking for browse too if they're if you're not seeing uh like a browse line or where the deer are browsing on the the uh forage and the cutting you know there's probably not a lot going on in it you know and that's where it can be tricky around here too you know if, if you can't see tracks in the in the dirt you know elk can make it look like <laughs> there's a pile of deer browsing on a cutting you know um but you kind of just gotta use your head a little bit you know and look for tracks and make sure it's deer using it and not elk but and so in the areas that you guys hunt up there what is there for pressure like where you're going like on where and, and it seems like where there are difficult spots like the where you killed the one deer where you <laughs> said you backpack some blind in there like yeah <laughs> took like this blind is like a it, it looked like I don't know. It was like a hard walled blind that looked like pretty substantial. So I I built it out of uh three quarter inch by one inch was the frame. And uh, then it was one inch blue board foam board was the shell of it and uh, built all the wall sections and the floor section separate, stacked them on top of each other, strapped them onto the top of a canoe and uh, canoed the blind back in there. And so, like, again, that that seems like pretty remote. Uh, but yeah. are you, are you guys seeing much pressure, like, in the areas and that you're going? So, like that particular area, um, I've never seen anybody back in there. Um, there's guys that hunted out closer to the roads, and it just makes it that much better. You know, the deer just seem to get pushed there. Um, but we hunt higher pressure. You know, for, for instance, that the the frozen trigger buck. You know, there was four or five guys hunting around me and I knew where I scouted it out. You know, I found all their pop-up lines and that kind of played a role into where I hunted too. You know, I, I knew where this guy was at, this guy was at. And honest to God, I think that buck came out and actually winded the guy that was upwind from me. <laughs> um, he didn't, it didn't really seem to bother him that bad. It's almost like he knew he was there, you know, but when he came out, he kind of tipped his nose up in there and he just turned and started walking right down towards me. And, and that's what I was wondering just from a, like, leave them be type thing. It's like, I, f I feel like around here, there's a lot more, I don't know, sense of urgency, like that someone else is going to kill that deer or oh. push him out. And I don't know if that's like a, a normal, like everybody's a you know, paranoid deer hunter, like, Oh, somebody's going to kill I'm gonna shoot my buck. Yeah. You know, that, that sort of, but you got to think like 90% of people probably are just going to mess it up. <laughs> you know, like 90% of people are probably just going to mess it up a three and a half or four and a half year old buck on high pressured public land. Um, he, he got that old for a reason. You right. know, if, if it's somebody that knows what they're doing and they kill him, Great. You know, they deserved it. Um, but you kind of got to put into perspective, you know, where, where's that deer going to go? You know, once, once these people start walking in the woods, where's he going to go? Like that spot was 
that was perfect. You know, there's just enough swamp there and it was just nasty enough that I could just about guarantee nobody wanted to walk through it. Um, and it was just surrounded by giant oak ridges everywhere. Um, and there's people everywhere in them oak ridges. So, you know, where's he, where's a good deer in there going to go? He's going to go to that little spot that he feels safe and he's going to come out when he thinks he's safe. So other than, than that right there, like what you just said, like uh, self-proclaimed, right? World's worst bow hunter. So I'm the guy that, that messes it up. So like for you, when you see these other guys set ups, when you are, are saying, oh man, that's where somebody would want to be, but this is, this is why I can't be there. Like, what are your keys or the things that you, the most common mistakes when you're scouting around and seeing these other guys set ups or that you, you see other people who aren't a guy that knows what he's doing, right? What are the most common mistakes that you see? Most of them are just like in, in random spots, you know, it's like, I, I can't even figure out why they're sitting there. You know, I come across somebody's blind and that's like, I, I stop for a second. I'm like, what, what are they doing? I don't, and maybe, you know, I'm sure they had a thought process on why they were there, but a lot in once in a while, you know, you'd be walking through and you'd be like, Oh, I see what's going on here. This guy, he's got an idea of what's going on, you know? Um, but like 90% of them, you, you run into it and it's like, I, I don't know. I don't know what this guy's trying to accomplish. You know, it's like a lot of times people just try to get to a spot in the Oaks, you know, where they can see 75, a hundred yards, you know, they'll get up on top of any random knob or whatever, and just kind of get to where they can look around, you know? Um, and it, it doesn't seem like any of them have the wind in their mind at all you know like they'll be they'll have their pop-up set up with the wind right at their back that, um that's kind of what i was going to say is like what i've seen in the past it might be a good spot mm-hmm. but people are like i'm gonna will it to happen like no there's a reason why there's this sign and stuff but the deer that this buck is only sitting there on a certain wind and yeah there's a reason for it. So if you're sitting like, oh, look at all this sign. I'm going to sit right here. Yeah. Well, he's not going to come down here because he's going to smell you. You know, yeah. like, so you yeah. got to play that wind, like what you were saying with your spot. It was yep. almost to the point where it was bad. Yep. But you had just enough to where he thought he was safe. Yep. And, and you know, granted with a rifle, you could get back far enough. Like with, our, with an archery, it might not have worked out. Like, no, you got, you would have pushed that envelope where, you know, he's going to get you. Yeah. But, and that's where people are like, well, I got my scent lock on. I got my scent blocker. Right. I'm going to spray down. He's not going to smell me. Well, yeah. The, the, the 11 pointer, you know, the spike horn and you know, the year and a half old bucks, I've had them come down when, and literally like, like, oh man, this is terrible. Well, and then they just sit there and sniff the wind and they still make their scrape and everything. Like, yep. Those yep. are the bucks that are getting killed. Yep. But yeah. You're not going to get away with that with a right. three and a half year old. Right. And so. So, so perfect example there, John, what, how do you set up differently for a, uh, 
a three like what does a three and a half year old buck do differently than the 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 year and a half old buck i mean obviously uh, we've all seen deer like young deer like follow our tracks like right to the tree and like lick the tree or look right up at you because they don't know mm-hmm. what's going on so perfect example like i like when i was saying that i had a little six point come this is at my spot up you know near my property come right down wind and and hit the scrape and just like lift his head and i'm like dude my wind is going right at it and it was like i don't know if it was the same hunt or the same weekend I had the nice, like really nice buck come out and I had, I'm at this point, I'm thinking the wind is perfect, but it was swirling just a little bit and this buck come out. And that's when I was messing with the camera and he come out and all of a sudden just literally stopped like, Oh, he got just enough where he just turned around, went right back. And he was like, there was just enough swirl in the wind where I was using Back then, I was using just like the smoke in a bottle or whatever. Where if I would have been using the the freaking milkweed, milkweed, it would have showed me because I, I, after that, I went up there with milkweed, and you could see it; it was swirling around. Um. And so he just caught just enough wind on that off wind where he was like, "Nope, I'm not going to risk it." Where the young bucks. They're like, oh, what's that smell? I am all right, you know. Yep. It's crazy what you see with the milkweed. Yeah. It's it's insane. You know, you you think the wind's right in your face, then you float a piece of milkweed and it'll go forty yards and spin around and go right back by in front of you. You know, yeah. it's like this ain't gonna work. I've literally had that. Like I'll send throw it all like, yeah, I'm good, and all of a sudden a couple of minutes later I'm like oh shit. Comes back by you. Go right back yep. by. Yeah. So do you hunt near, like, you said you canoed in that. Are, are you setting up close to any water or anything like that? Yeah, so I'm basically right on the river, you know, on that that specific spot. Um, my back's right to the, to the river that I canoe in. Um. So how are you, like, what are you seeing with, like, wind and thermals? I, I don't know why... I just had heard someone talk about it and my father-in-law who's on the show, he was up there at the, yeah. the thing. Yep. Um, he, he had this one spot and, and I think water works probably about the same way. Maybe it has a little more pull with the thermals, but he would hunt this spot and he'd have a perfect wind and these deer where it was right by the highway and these deer, he'd have a, he'd have a great wind and all the deer would always smell him it would be a perfect wind and he couldn't figure out what was going on well because he was so close to the highway the traffic was actually on thermals <laughs> pulling to the deer so he had to actually yeah. hunt it on a different wind or on like a really high wind day to not get yep. busted there and they say that that happens too with like like a, a fast moving or even like a, a, a you know a decent stream or river so are you seeing yep. the same thing yeah, so uh, on like a real calm day, you know, when there's almost, it feels like there's no wind, um, you'll see that, you know, you can float a piece of milkweed and it'll kind of just follow the the current of the, the stream, you know. Um, and it's the same way I noticed uh, when we went to Ohio this year, it was my first time ever going to Ohio. And those are pretty big hills there too. And, you know, we're just kind of hunting 
there's a, a giant drainage, you know, with a, a series of beaver ponds and a, a flooding that kind of runs down through that. And uh, that's the same way, you know, the thermals will pull down to the bottom of that, that big drainage and follow that drainage down. So you said you, when you bow hunt, you bow hunt a lot of hills up here. Mm-hmm. Um, were you seeing the same type of thing down in Ohio at, just with a different scale of hill or how are you setting up in the hills? Yeah. So in, in Ohio, like, like here, I almost always set up on top. Um, I almost always set up on top of a ridge, you know, I'll never hunt down in the bottom of a valley or down in the creek bottom with big hills up each side of me, you know, because it seems like you can never get a consistent wind, you know, and then it doesn't seem to really follow the valley down or anything like that. You know, it just kind of seems to swirl around down in the bottoms here. Um, as to where in Ohio, it was more consistent. Um, why that is, I'm not sure, you know, but you always seem to have a little bit more consistent wind in Ohio um, than you do here. You get up on top here, um, and usually you can get a consistent wind. It might not be consistent with what you had when you left your truck. You know, you might get back there, get up in your stand, and it was out of the northwest when you left your truck, and now it's due west or, or southwest, you know. Um, but it seems like if you get up on top of a ridge, you just get, get a more consistent wind direction. And, and so when you say that you're getting up on top of the ridges, are you hunting like, you, you know, right directly on top? Are you hunting deer movement on the upper third? Are you hunting on the upper third? I mean, so almost always hunt up on top, um, Unless I can find like a good bench or something that that comes down off the top of a ridge, um, but almost most generally, you know, like a saddle between two big long running ridges. If you can find a saddle that connects those two ridges together, you know, that's kind of the sort of thing that I'm looking for. And when you're embedding points, you know, the the big steep ridges that just kind of drop off at the end, you know, with a big point. You know, those are great, great spots for bucks to bed in the hills. Um, and they're, they're tough to hunt. Usually they, they bust you, you know, if you try to get set up on that same point that that buck's bedded on, you know, they're, they're there for a reason. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of try to stay back off from them a ways. Um, and you get into late October, early November and, uh, I've actually watched bucks, you know, lay down on them points, you know, one ridge over from me and tend to doe, you know, in the first week of November um, and stay there all morning long. You know, they can see two, 300 yards off the end of that point wide open, you know, but they felt comfortable because what they can't smell, they could see off the end of that point. And once they get nervous, they just bail off the end of that point and down they go. And so when you're hunting those ridges, are there other, I mean, you, so you'd mentioned some saddles and some points and stuff like that, but are you looking for, you know, I mean, if we were to, uh, ask AI, right. How to hunt the Hills, they would say, okay, well, here's the points. And then there's going to be an Oak flat. And then, you know, you're going to see, you know, so, uh, some buck sign, and then it's going to get thicker near the points and, 
you know, the steeper, yeah. et cetera. But like from a, from a real boots on the ground perspective, how are you choosing one ridge over the other that have kind of all the same like attributes, right? So around here, you can walk like a lot of the hills that I hunt, there's zero oaks, like miles. You can go miles in any direction and not, not find an oak tree. Um, and it's, it, I, so I used to hunt them strictly off from beech nuts. Um, and our beach basically all died. Um, so it's gotten a little bit tougher and the deer hunt's not quite as good as what it used to be when we had beech nuts. Um, but I, that's kind of, you know, I, I looked for the beech nuts, find the beech nuts. And then you find, you know, where the, the majority of the deer are traveling, you know, say, say they're like, it seems like a lot of the does will run down in the bottoms. They'll use a valley, you know, a small valley to get from where they're bedding to feeding on the beech nuts. And then it seems like a lot of times the buck sign will be on the downwind, the, the ridge downwind from that. You know, say you go over 200 yards, there's another ridge that parallels that ridge downwind of that the, the beech nuts, you know, and you'll find buck rubs you know here and there kind of and usually there's not a lot of deer sign on it you know like as far as runways and um just deer sign in general there's not a lot of it there but you'll find small buck sign you know rub here rub there scrape you know and that's kind of what i try to hunt you know is that the the fresh sign and that was what i was going to ask you is you know because i feel like our podcast and I mean, myself too, like everybody's like learning. So we're, we're trying to figure out, you know, a lot of these guys aren't really great woodsmen, right? Uh, mm -hmm. I haven't spent a whole lot of time out there scouting and all that. And I think there's um, a lot of times we get really excited when we find sign, right? So like, okay, here's buck rubs. And, you know, it, it is what it is at, at this point, you know, right now, um, you know, that fresh buck sign is great because now we know that was a buck that was in velvet. He's there. Like we're, we're kind of dealing in real time, but as we go into November and all that stuff, like, and you know, when you're doing your in season scouting, like what sign is it that you're really keying in on? Like as the season progresses. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Oh, like, uh, I think I mentioned this before, too. You know, like, if I plan on hunting an area, I'll, uh, I'll go in there this fall, like, say, end of October, beginning of November, and I'll blow that apart and and scout it you know and look for buck sign fresh buck sign and figure out where those bucks are traveling and you can go down into the bottoms you know and usually the bottoms are loaded with buck sign but i feel most of it's at night you know i think most of the time they spend down in those bottoms is at night and you get up on top and there you find those the subtle rub lines and, and scrape lines you know up on top and i found those are more used during the daylight you know um, 
and and honestly i mean i I really don't spend a lot of time out of season scouting in the hills you know most of my scouting is done during season um and even if i can't hunt it that year i'll go back and i'll go back to where i had the sign from the year before and uh and hunt it it's trial and error you know you can try to put a pattern together and um it might work it might not you know you might you might think you've got it figured out and hunt 10 different spots you know and and it just don't work you know and then all of a sudden you find something that works and you just try to repeat that you know so uh, is everything that you're hunting like rather remote because uh, I'm, I'm just trying to think about like around us like where there's any hills or ridges where you could we could like not saying that you're not telling me the truth you know but just kind of validate that this and go in and say okay this is what jake's talking about like here's some hills and here's some little buck sign like up on top like let's let's check that out and see like throw a few sits at it throw some cameras but the only places that i can think have a lot of like traffic so like might not be people uh might might not be hunter traffic but there's other people that are using this area you know for other means right so yeah how much of that like are you are these ridges just strictly like barren public land nothing out there like how much human intrusion are you are you seeing yeah it's pretty low pressure um the the hills that i hunt are you know it's, it's pretty remote i would guess there there so it's what it is is it's it's uh walk-in access only everything's gated off outside you know it's probably three miles across from road to road where you can park your truck so you can get in a mile and a half and um not not cross a road you know and a lot of guys you know they'll they'll park on the road and they'll hunt back in four or five hundred yards and I'm not saying that it doesn't work, you know, there's definitely opportunities and I've killed deer, you know, three, 400 yards from my truck. Um, but yeah, the, that particular area that I'm hunting is pretty, pretty low pressure. You know, you can get away from people pretty well. Um, especially during bow season. Uh, I very seldom hunt those hills in rifle season because it's a madhouse, you know, where, where I've got the woods, what feels like to myself, you know, in October and early November, you go back there on November 15th and there's orange army everywhere. You know, it sounds a lot like where, you know, I grew up hunting with my buddy just North of here and it's all Hills. And like, we go up and bow hunt and same thing, you know, there was all kinds of like cuttings and we call them slashings and, you know, mm-hmm. and seen a ton of bucks, you know, but obviously we're just running around like idiots back then. And like most of those guys were baiting and like, I never was into the baiting thing, but oh. and then, but then when you get to gun season and then it was a whole different story, like you had the orange army, obviously it was like, man, we had a camp on, we, we called it camp corner and you know, like everything. Yeah. But, and now it's kind of tapered off. Like actually the, the pressure has gone down, but I mean the deer population actually has, I think has kind of gone down up there as well. But is that where Jason found them big sheds? Yes. And so, <laughs> but there's definitely some big bucks up there and that's where, 
you know, like he's been working. Obviously, I didn't get a chance to go up there with him, but we had been talking about it. And he found some, like, really nice sheds, like 150 class, you know, up on this public land swamp. But it's exactly like like what you're talking about. That was the thing. Like, we had, we'd hunt the swamp spot, but then we also had the hills. And they were literally, like, on opposite sides of the two track. You go, you yeah. go down the old two track, the swamp was on one side and then we had the hills up, you know, south of there. And it was like, well, where are you going to hunt tonight? Like, oh, I think I'm going to hunt the hills. But well, it, it was yeah. just a big, you know, back then it was yep. just a, you know, a gamble. But now we're like, he's starting to figure it out. Finally. I'm like, that buck is in there. You just got to find out what he's doing, where he's at. And he actually was in there scouting like like off-season scouting, found this buck bed, which we were talking about, like, you know, with Dan Infault, like, get in the bed and look around. Like, when you find it, and sure enough, he's, like, looking around. He found this awesome, you know, one side, then he's, like, walked around, ended up finding both sheds within this That's bed. That's crazy. And uh, this is a dandy buck. So, if he kills this, we'll, we'll definitely have to have him on the podcast. But there's a lot to – I mean, everything that you're talking about with these hills and the swamp, that's like, but it's a ton of pressure. Like I've been sitting there, my son and I were sitting there one year and all of a sudden we hear this noise. <laughs> it's a mountain biker <laughs> come down the hills. <laughs> like there's a lot of, there's a lot of just non-hunting traffic in the area. <laughs> yeah. But you know, deer get used to it. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why I was wondering, because it's like everywhere that I can think of in my mind, like there's always, you know, it's, we think of public land as like, okay, well, we can go hunt there and all this stuff. But like other people think like, oh, I can go hike there and I can, John and I were sitting in a freaking turkey blind the one year, like in the middle of nowhere, you know, and here comes some hikers just. Be bopping by. Cruising along. Like, yeah. <laughs> like oh. Uh, hey. Hey. <laughs> like, yeah. So. Yeah, I don't know how much state land you guys have, you know, but, like, up here, there's there's so much state land, you know, and over the years, I've kind of figured out, like, where the random people that come up here to hunt state land, they kind of flock to, you know, like, there's certain areas that you go to every year, and it's just loaded with people, you know, for whatever reason people flock to those areas and and they're good, you know, it's, it's good deer hunting until they all flock in there. <laughs> so you kind of figure out, you know, year after year where the trucks are parked, you know, and, and who's hunting where, you know, and there's these pockets of, of state land that, you know, you find hardly anybody hunts them, you know? Do you think that, do you, do you think that those spots that you find where, hardly anybody hunts them the that the deer because you said all these other spots there's good deer hunting too is it just easier deer hunting because the deer can be more deer and i'm not saying that any hunting is easy but that the deer are just more predictable in those yeah and, and i think probably just like easier to scout you know like the signs more obvious um as to where you know, like some of the places I hunt, most people would probably not even give it two thoughts. You know, you might drive down the road for a mile and not see a deer track in the road. 
you know, there's not a ton of deer sign there, period. You know, you can walk a long ways without coming across the runway and the leaves, you know. Um, and I, I think that's a lot of it, you know, where where people flock to, there's lots of deer. You know, there's there's a good deer population there and there's lots of sign that shows it. And people just go back to that year after year, you know. I can see that. I mean, like, you, you see a lot of, like, in when I was younger, that was, we were always guilty of that. You know, my dad, Frank, you see a lot of sign, you're going to be like, oh, this is where it's at. Yeah. Yeah, there might be a lot of deer there, and there and, but you're probably not going to get that mature buck. Right. You know? He's off yep. somewhere secluded. You're not going to see all the, his sign. You have yep. to learn to look for those subtle signs where he yep. might be at until he makes a mistake and maybe in the rut but yep. i mean but how many days of the rut are there you know like like yeah 365 days a year he might be out of his mind for say a week seven days of it you got to figure out the rest of that where you got to right. figure out where he's hanging out and it might not yep. be where the rest of the sign is so, so <laughs> again i'm just trying to put myself in your head right like driving along like there ain't shit on this two track like <laughs> I gotta go scout this. Like, how do how do you? Or is it That's just what that? you gotta do? <laughs> you know, like nobody's gonna deer hunt this. There's no deer sign here. Just park your truck and get out. You know, just check it out. Like, you know, I've tried to explain to people before. Like, there's very few places you can go, and there's not deer there. Right. You know, like like I think I could go anywhere within 20 miles of my house and pick any section and and probably there's going to be a buck in it you know it might not be the biggest buck it might be a two-year-old or even a year and a half old buck but anywhere you go there's a buck using the area you know you and I, th I think people always want to find the most deer sign you know the the best looking you know the most traffic and the, the most sign and you know i, I guess i kind of try to key on overlooked areas you know it only takes one track right just one deer like he one might deer. one one big ass buck you yeah. know live in that area i mean you know i i never like took much stock into that and everybody you know i was just like oh the tracks the tracks the tracks but the one the one spot that john hates and i've i've killed some i killed a couple good bucks out there and i think the year that i killed the first one out there there was like right on the walking path, like right in there was like some horse track, like big, big tracks. And my father-in-law told me, he's like, they're crossing right here. Right by the a fucking right. truck. <laughs> and like, I come out walking, those tracks weren't there in the morning and I'm freaking, you know, scuffing them all up. I'm, I'm leaving the fawn tracks, but I'm covering that one up and I'm, yeah. you know, and I'm pretty sure I killed that deer, but it was... <laughs> I I never really took that that much stock in it, and then it's like literal, like right on the path, right by the truck, like right right there, and like he's sitting there watching, like oh yeah, everyone's yeah oh, yeah there's yep, there goes there's that Adam, thing. there's yeah. John, there's Frank, okay, yeah. all right, I'm just gonna walk through here, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> so what when you're out there scouting, like even in season, like what is it that when you're heading out to to your stand or whatever, like when you're going to go hunt, like what would make you stop on your way in and be like, Oh, cause it's happened to me a bunch of times where I have this like conundrum. Like I've maybe hunted this place you know, 
couple, you know, couple times a week, you know, not that same place, or maybe I'm going in further and further, but now I'm halfway to where I'm going. And there's like a scrape that wasn't there yesterday or two days ago. And I'm like, Oh yeah. man, what do I, did he do it at night? Like, what do I do? Like, yeah. what is it like when you're walking in that makes you like have those questions or whatever, like what would make you say, abandon your plan and don't ever abandon your plan. <laughs> no, don't, don't abandon it. So you're, you know, and, and I, I've, I've been guilty of it before, you know, I've had a plan in my head and just like you said, you get, you get walking, you get going back in there and here's a bunch of fresh sign, you know, and you sit and you don't see nothing, you know, it's like that didn't work. I should have stuck with my original plan. So I, I guess, you know, I've kind of, forced myself you know i that's one of my main rules you know if, if i got a plan i'm gonna stick to it and i'm gonna do what i came here to do i think the key um, is- i guess you know if i if i was just randomly going in the woods to hunt you know blind um i would i would pick uh you know hot hot sign you know hot buck sign over over anything that's what I was going to get at. I'm like, the thing is, you got to have a good plan, right? Like, you got to put your, put all your, you know, information together and create that good plan and then just stick with it. Where, well, a lot of times I'm just like walking in, like, eh, where are we going to hunt tonight? What are we going to do? No plan yeah. at all. But if you've got a plan and you got, you know, confidence in that plan, then don't deviate from it. Yeah. So, when you when you go in, is it always like are you always a hundred percent confident or you know like so that's what they they say like okay confidence kills deer right like you got to be certain that you're in the right spot like you got to be own it like is that how you feel too or are you doing like observation sits or you say oh I'm just gonna throw a sit at this over here and see what what's going on. Yeah, I, I guess, like, if, if I put a plan together, you know, I'm, I'm confident with my plan. But the random, you know, middle of October, third week of October, just picking a spot on the map, basically, and going, I'm going to walk back in here and see what I can find and hunt it, you know. Um, yeah, you don't always end up sitting in a spot that you're real confident in, you know. And sometimes you get surprised, you know. Sometimes you get set up and you see a bunch of deer, you know, and and are you set up and you kill a deer, you know? Um, and it kind of surprises you. It's like, why did that work? You know, I didn't think it was going to work, but it did. Um, but it goes both ways. You know, you can have a great plan that you're super confident with and walk in and it doesn't work at all, you know? But I mean, I guess that's the thing is like, did it not work because the plan was bad or just the deer weren't there that day? Like they just, Right. Did something else. I mean, they get a say too. They didn't read the script. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I, I guess that's why we keep doing it. You know, you, you, you never know. Is, you know, the thing about it is like, especially on public land, you don't, you might have these, a, a buck pinned down, whatever. Look, I mean, everything looks great, but you're not there every minute of the day. You don't know mm-hmm. that a bird hunter walked through there and pushed them out or you have no idea what, what happened prior to you're on public land. Like we're talking, or just someone walking their dog might've just 
like change change that outcome a little bit. I mean, but putting your homework in and figuring out the plan, that's the key to it. So when I went to Ohio this year, um, where I first started hunting, I was super confident, like 100% confident that I was going to kill a good deer where I set up in that area. And the sign was insane. You know, I was long ways back in. There wasn't any recent sign of human, um, but I could tell there had been people in there earlier in the season. Um, and I hunted that, I think, the first three days and saw one deer in three days. I'm like, this ain't working. You know, I got to gotta do something different. And um, I, I ended up, you know, hunting in an area where there wasn't near the amount of buck sign. And, and the thing is, is where I was set up, like I would have picked a big mature deer to bed there over where I ended up actually seeing a, a bunch of different bucks, you know, I'd have picked them to, to live there, you know, it was thicker, kind of rougher country than, than where I ended up, you know, seeing deer and, and having, should have had success. Um, but yeah, it kind of it blew my mind. You know, I was super confident where I started and. It, it just, I, they weren't there, you know, they were there and then they just seemed to be gone, you know, never bumped deer going in that I knew of, you know, never, never got busted that I knew of. It just, it was like dead, you know, all the sign in the world, but just wasn't going on there. So for, for guy, for as much time as you spend in the woods, right. And like for what you see and what you key in on for guys that aren't confident in like their ability to scout or uh, they don't necessarily, you know, they're going out there and they're, they're listening to podcasts. They're watching YouTube videos. They're reading everything that they can and they're trying to put it all together. Like, what do you, what would you say to them as far as like to help them build their confidence? Like, what is it that they should be, I guess, aspiring to do? Right. Cause I think, even exactly what we just said, right? You go in there and you, it doesn't take very long to become disheartened. If you've never killed a deer, you don't know what you're doing and nobody's there to show you. Right. So what would you say to those guys? I don't really know. I guess. I know what I would um, say. <laughs> you, you just got to keep trying different things. You know, you got to, uh, we've all been there. You know, I've, I've hunted 10 days straight in Michigan and, and not seen a single deer, you know, it, it happens. Like you don't hunt every day and see deer every day. Um, and, and honestly, I think there's probably more days I don't see anything than, than I see deer, you know? Um, so you, you try something, you know, whether just if, if you're not super in depth in the, in the deer woods, you know, and you're not looking for, uh, a three and a half year old deer, you're just trying to, to hunt and see deer, you know, and start somewhere, you know, I would, I would start simple, you know, and, uh, like if, if I'm going into somewhere, uh, that I've never been to, to just hunt a place, you know, I'm looking for, if, if all else fails, you know, I'm going to find the edge, you know, a transition somewhere, you know, like, a, a overgrown cutting that meets hardwoods or, where swamp meets the hills, you know, and just hunt that edge, you know, and sometimes you're super surprised. There might not be a lot of sign there, but you set up and 
you might see five, six deer, you know? John? What I'm going to say is it's like this, I mean, everything on YouTube, social media, whatever, you can, I'm building a house right now. I'm doing my own plumbing, electrical, all that. You can look and listen to every video there is, podcast, whatever, but that's not going to, it's never going to like trump personal experience. So the only, there's no easy button. That's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So the podcast, like our podcast, all these YouTube videos, they can help like trim off that learning curve. But the only real thing is going out there and having personal experience and knowledge is my, I mean, I still go out and be like, man, what the fuck? What? Get discouraged, whatever. But then you got you got to think back like, okay, well, this has happened to me before. So, but you can listen to everything that you can listen to Andy May, like everyone that's killed all these big bucks and everything and try to put that in. But if you don't have that personal experience, you're not going to be able to, you know, just go out and kill a big buck every time. It takes that, that personal knowledge and you got to put the time in. There's no easy button. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. I guess in our own about way, that's what I was trying to get at. You know, you just gotta, you gotta do it. You, you gotta know, put you gotta, your time in. You got to put your time in. And yep. our podcast and like I was saying, in the YouTube videos, that'll help like cut that time down or the, like that learning curve down a little bit, but nothing is going to take the, okay, so here I can build a cabinet, right? I can watch a video on how, on how to build a cabinet. That's going to make, not going to make me a freaking amazing carpenter. I mean, how to like trim something and just like figure out all those little little intricate facts and you know stuff on how i do things yeah they're going to shorten that curve but they're not going to make it easy for you i mean or mm-hmm. like where you're going to all of a sudden because everyone would be perfect at everything at that point i mean right so jake what do you think about like how do you feel about YouTube and social media from like what John is saying, like, cause I think, you know, you were focusing on like big bucks and thing, like you're not going to be able to just go kill big bucks. I think there's so many people out there that, you know, see a YouTube, like what you guys do. And, you know, you're seeing a whole bunch of little bucks and you're shooting and you're talking about three year old, four year old bucks. Like you're not killing two year olds. I th- I think so many people, get it in their head that it's like, that's all you ever did. That's uh, those are the only deer you've ever killed. Just, you started out yeah. big bucks. Right. Know? That's, that's yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. Like if that's, you're, if you're just starting out and you're trying to target three and a half, four and a half year old bucks, you're going to get beat up real quick. You know, you're going to, you're going to get discouraged very quick. I've you, killed a pile of two year old bucks. I don't even know how many. <laughs> even at that, like, so say you put all this knowledge together, right? And you find that big buck. Guess what? You're probably going to miss him or you're going to wound him because you yeah. have, it's just like, you got to get some under your belt. Like, yeah. just like me, like, I, I'll admit it. Like when I got out elk hunting, I'm like, I practiced, I did everything. I did all my shit. And all of a sudden this six by six comes in and I freaking shit my pants. Like yeah. completely. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> 
You know, my buddy that didn't do sh- no prep, whatever, he comes out and he shoots this freaking cow elk, you know, 40 yards right through the heart. Like, oh, yeah, she's dead right over there. Like, right. fuck you. <laughs> like, but that's the thing. You got to get some, you got to go out and get your own experiences. You got to get some info of your own. Learn how to hunt. I mean, it. our, our podcast, everything helps, but it doesn't take the, it doesn't take the place of actual go out there and learn it yeah and i think yeah i don't know if what your experience was it sounds like you know you you have a family of like pretty serious hunters john does too i've mm-hmm. hunted my whole life man like bohan like i got my ass kicked like hand, like it took I, I think it took me nine years to kill a deer with a bow and like i did every like i i mean i shot at a lot of them like, like it wasn't like I wasn't getting opportunities. Um, but I think, I think people f- like adult onset hunters or guys that start like later in life, they don't realize that like at, you know, 12 to, you know, 14, 16 years old, if you, if I didn't have like a gun in my hand, like I was out, like not seeing deer, spooking deer, like dropping shit out mm-hmm. of the trees, like, but it wasn't, there was, I didn't have this like adult pride that was like, oh, I'm supposed to be, I'm a hunter. Like I'm good at this, you know, like, like, right. I, I think that that's maybe what social media has like drained from people is that like, it, it's okay. Cause I'm a kid. Well, I'm not a kid anymore. So I'm supposed to be at everybody who's my same age as level now. Yeah. Do you yeah. see, do you see the funny video? Like Bo Jackson with Tim Wells mm. and he's like sitting there like, so Bo Jackson is in the tree. And like this, I think this doe comes in and he's like, he's going to draw on her. And all of a sudden he like, and all of a sudden he like touches the trigger and the arrow goes, Doom! you know, and the, the, I've seen and that he, before. And he's just like laughing, like, Hey, that shit happens. You know, yeah. I've done that. I've done it. I don't know how many times I've knocked my arrow off. Like, it's just like, that's the shit that you have to go through. But I think as adults, I think. It, that it's not okay. Like I think it, that I think that that's that's what, the, that's what, that's the wrong part. That's like that's all part of it, though. That's the thing. Like yeah. social media makes it like feel like you can't you can't yeah. Like nobody's triggers ever frozen up on a <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Them, right? <laughs> like, everyone's perfect. No one sees. Like, you know that's the thing with social media. Like oh, I killed this twelve point. Like what about all the hunts that you screwed up before that? Like, right. They don't show all yeah. the bad. They show yep. that one 10 seconds of good, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And we try to, we try to show just about all of it. You know, if we mess up, we throw it in there. Yeah. And we, we mess up more than we do good. You know, I think if you were you to just mess up enough until, until it works out finally, you know, I think if you were to look at the hunts on our, uh, YouTube page, like the few hunts that we do have up, there's m- just as many misses oh. as there are like kills. Um, yeah, and there's so much it, video by design. That's the thing. Like, there's so much video footage of mine. Like, I don't. I mean, I think I've deleted a bunch of it, but I don't think I've ever even posted a deer hunt. But I got tons of video. I mean, I shot yeah. a doe, and it was like the I had the camera on the wrong doe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, oh, whoops. <laughs> so I think it was 
two, not this past bow season, a bow season before. Um, I had a horrendous, I was just trying to shoot does to put meat in the freezer and get them on film. That was my goal. Kill does early October, kill does, get them on film, put them in the freezer. And oh man, I don't even remember how it went, but it was, it was horrendous. Um, I missed one, screwed up on like two or three right off the bat. And then I finally ended up killing a doe and uh, had it all on film. Everything was great. Kept the card in my camera. And um, I was going to shoot another one. It was like two, three days later. Filming her, you know, draw back. And I was in like a big uh, bushy oak tree, you know, the limbs kind of come out and around you. You got lots of cover, you know, and there's limbs you got to shoot through get the camera on her. She said like 15 yards draw shoot. And I'm like, man, that didn't seem right. I didn't see my arrow when my arrow was in a limb, like three feet in front of my face, <laughs> shot the limb right in front of me. It's like, Oh, whatever. You know, had that on film. And uh, a couple of days later, hunted again, doe comes in 30 yards away off to my left side and uh, get the camera on her, draw back, shoot. My bow hanger was through the cam of my bow oh. when I shot. String pops off. And uh, uh, Alvin and Charlie were actually on their way to Ohio. So this is how late in the season it is now. You know, I'm, I'm still trying to get doe footage. It's like the end of October, beginning of November. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking at my bow strings off from it. I'm like, what the hell is going on here, you know? I'm playing around with my camera, end up deleting all my footage from the whole season. <laughs> so the one doe kill that I did have on camera was gone along with all the bad shit too. So, oh but yeah, that was a, it was a tough year for me. It <laughs> sounds like shit that I've done. Well, I did. That was my, like the year before we started the podcast, I was like, I'm gonna start filming, like get, get serious about all this stuff. You know, me and John, we're going to do this. And I think I, I missed a deer. I, I actually, I missed a deer twice, uh, same deer on the ground and the deer was wounded, but then I thought I shot it cause it was bleeding. <laughs> like it, and somebody shot it in the back with a crossbow and my, the first, I figured out what happened, but the first arrow that I shot, I actually hit the other arrow. And so the deer jumped and there was blood there. Cause like I found both of my arrows and there was not a stitch of blood on them, but there's blood. I'm following blood and tracks and then my brother and brother-in-law ended up jumping up this deer and they're like, what color are your fletchings? <laughs> are they orange? I'm like, no. And it's like, yeah, we jumped up this deer right over here with a crossbow bolt sticking out of its back strap or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. like that same night I missed a doe at 15 yards on camera. I shot a small buck through the back straps on camera. Like it was just like, I think I shot seven times in, in the span of like four days and didn't, Gosh. didn't recover anything. Like it was yeah. terrible. And I fell, I ended up wading through, I was just going to cut across this water that I didn't think was that deep. And it was like waist deep. And then I fell and like wrecked a camera. Like it, yeah. it was, you know, all the stupid yeah. stuff you do when you're like, I think you press too hard, you know? 
Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got to do this. And I think that well, that's I what know. guys don't understand I, too, you know? Yeah. When I was younger, you know, the very first deer, I think I was 12 when I shot my first deer of the bow and, um, just hunting behind my dad's house and, uh, shot and wounded a, a big doe. And I, I think I was shooting a 35 pound Parker bow <laughs> and, uh, same thing. You know, I, I shot it like high up in the back strap, you know, the arrow was sticking out of it 16 inches or whatever still. Um, never recovered that one. Next morning, I uh, shot a little button buck, probably 70 pounds, soaking wet. Um, and I watched that one tip over, you know, almost missed it, ended up hitting in the heart, you know, almost shot under it. So I shot high the day before, you know, so I was kind of a little hesitant on <laughs> where I was aiming and almost shot underneath of it. Um, but after that, you know, I went, went years without missing a deer with my bow and not or, or wound, wounded one um every deer that i shot at with my bow for like four or five six years you know I, I hit and recovered and then you know the last 10 years i've messed up way more than i did when i was a teenager you know why that is i don't know I, you know when i was younger that's all i did was shoot my bow you know and i shot and shot and shot and shot but I think I, don't know. I think that that's what like keeps you coming back though. Like the the I, this is just me, and I mean you're it's a, obviously a testament to it. To it, you know, <clears throat> your trigger freezes up when everything goes right. I killed the elk with a borrowed rifle at 270 yards. Come back home, missed two does inside of a hundred. One of them was a bow shot. It was like 30 yards. I missed, you with know, with gun. my own gun. <laughs> yeah, you know, but I think. You know, I th I think that that's why I like bow hunting is because it it can be right there and yep. be just totally messed up. And I feel like for as many deer as I've shot or shot at or killed with a with a bow, you know, a, a, a rifle is a much more efficient weapon, but it it doesn't get me excited like that. Like my heart doesn't get racing when he's walking it out there at a hundred yards or whatever, the same yeah. way it does when, you know, he's at 45 and he just needs to come in 10 more times, and, you yeah. know, all that stuff. So, yeah. no, it's definitely a, it's definitely a different game and there's nothing better than watching the arrow go through a deer at 15, 20 yards, you know? So what do you got coming up? You know, you're going to do the, bear hunting and the, the elk guiding and stuff like that. You got any out of state trips or anything exciting other than Michigan here this year? So we're talking about maybe going to Illinois. Um, we're going to try to go there for just a few days. Um, we're definitely going to Ohio again, um, but we're going to try to slip away thinking either late Halloween night, November 1st, leaving for Illinois for three or four days. And then leaving from there and going to Ohio. Um, that's pretty much it. You know, we'll be there until I think the 12th or 13th or something of November. We'll leave Ohio, come back here, and we'll be back just in time for deer camp. Nice. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. So, <laughs> what what bow are you shooting? For, uh, for one of those, 
There's a Matthews helium and one's a monster. Okay. Couple. So the helium I hate. <laughs> um, I've shot the Matthews monster since it came out and, uh, it's, it's at the end of its life. Um, <laughs> I'm in the market for a new bow, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not one of those guys that, you know, you see these guys buying new bows every year. They got to have the new bow every year. And when I get a bow that I like, I, I like to keep it and shoot it year after year. You know, once I get something that works for me, I, I like to keep it. Yep. And I've killed a ton of deer with that Matthews monster. And so what it is about it, it's heavy, it sucks <laughs> to carry through the woods, but it just shoots good. Uh, what's your arrow setup in broadheads? Like, what do you what do you fixed blade guy, heavy arrow, or no, just... no? Um, I don't shoot a real heavy arrow. I shoot, you know, out of the uh, monster. I was shooting um, three hundred fifty grain Maximus with a hundred grain um, uh, mechanical broadhead. Okay. Right. And yeah. and I'm not, you know, I don't go to a bow shop and get everything tuned and, you know, I, I'm not that precise about my equipment, I guess. Um, and I, I went to fix blades for a year and I could just never get them tuned. You know, I could never get my bow tuned well enough, you know, get out past 30 yards and kind of getting all over the place, you know. Um. So I guess that's the main reason I've stuck with mechanicals is just because of how true they fly. You know, you yeah. can have a somewhat bad setup with a bow, um, and still shoot decent, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're better off going with the mechanical broadhead. And not only that, you got to, you know, most mechanicals are at least, they're, they're all pushing two inches. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, so two inch cut radius compared to an inch and a quarter on a fixed blade marginal yep. flight. I mean, you know, if you're, yeah, if you're not into tuning a bow, mechanical is yeah. great. You're looking yep. for the soft spots anyway. You're not looking for that front shoulder. Right. Or neck like Adam. Yeah. <laughs> it's an effective shot. <laughs> yeah. I played with it a little bit and I just, I don't know. I've never, never gotten that deep into bow tuning and, you know, I just, buy arrows off the shelf, put a broadhead on them, shoot them yeah. and kill deer with them. Yeah. I don't think that that's that. I, I, I guess because of like the circle that we run in or like how, how we, you know, we live in this echo chamber of, you know, we got a new gear and, you know, latest and greatest. Um, I think that there's a lot more guys out there that, that are killing a lot of deer with their old, betsy you know like well that's the, like yeah. the guys that are really i mean like all the guys that we have talked to the guys that kill a lot of big bucks and consistent they're not worried about their bows they're more worried about finding out where the deer are at and how yeah. to get to them. you know i mean that's the thing it's like but you know and they're but they're also like kind of like what you're talking about they're used to that equipment they're used to old faithful it's not going to let them down they're not <laughs> going to go and get a bow that they're not familiar with a month before season. They're going to be, you know, they're going to be shooting something that they're consistent with and that yeah. they got the faith in, you know, so yeah. if you I got I've owned, I've owned four bows 
my entire life. It started with a Parker, went to a, a mission by Matthews, shot that, killed a bunch of deer of that. And then I got the monster and I pretty much hunted. I hunted with the Matthews helium last year and that, that bow's gone. <laughs> I don't like that bow at all. <laughs> It's yeah. funny because I just set up Jet, my son. Uh, he just came up yesterday to the house, and I took a break. And we, he's using my old uh, Hoyt RX one, which I put new strings and stuff on it. And we were shooting that yesterday, and I was like, "Man, that thing just shoots! It just feels so good. It's loud and clunky compared to like my new bow, but like that was that's probably my favorite bow of all time." That old RX one, but yeah. So if somebody draws a uh, unicorn elk tag in the future, or they've got questions about clear cuts or hills, or they want to see uh, some of the hunts that we're talking about, like how do guys get a hold of you, or where can they find like your stuff? On Facebook, um, yeah, I got a personal Facebook page. They can just get a hold of me there message me on facebook and be happy to answer any questions anybody's got well and, th- and what is, what's the, what is it so they jake jake <laughs> okay yeah. and then the videos are on michigan gone wild right yep yep on the youtube channel so well thanks for coming on with us and like like you said you're you had 12 minutes before you know your yeah. season season really <laughs> kicks off here so uh, yeah. really appreciate you taking the time and coming on and talking with us absolutely anytime all right thanks jake see you guys